0: Welcome to Living in the Matrix. I'm Jonathan, and I'm left of center.
1: And I'm Rich, and I tend to lean a little bit more to the right. But the bottom line is, is together, we try to look for the balance of what it means to be human in today's world. Uh,
0: but yeah, let's do it. Let's get started. Uh, welcome, everybody. This is Living in the Matrix. I'm Jonathan, and uh, my co-host, Rich. Say hello, Rich.
1: Everybody, looking forward to um, getting this one kicked off. I'm thrilled to be here. Um, it's Friday, of course, but i um, even more excited about the fact we've got a good friend of mine, Nate Taylor, who's going to be on with us today. And one of the reasons I love working with Nate is um, imagine if you had like a need for something in the back of your mind, you're at a, a nice restaurant and you see the wine list, you have no idea what's going on. Nate is your guy. If you want to talk about enterprise sales, you want to talk about um, expensive shotguns or um, living in a small town in Texas, or if you want to talk about what we're focusing on today, which is how do you live your best life, your healthiest life, so that you could give back to, to not only the family that you're surrounded with, but you know, leave a legacy of something instead of winding up in some you know curled up ball with Alzheimer's someplace. So the bottom line is, is how do we talk about things that, um, even though there could be fun about getting a good bottle of wine or how to propose to your wife in a really special way, let's talk about today um, about our health. And Nate, at the beginning of the show, you started asking a question up front, and I think it's a great way to get started. So um, is it good enough for an introduction, or should we just dive right in and let, let's get going? And maybe you can tell us a little bit about your journey um, as we go along.
2: Hey, I'm in your home, however you want to do it. Um, right. Well, let's dive into guys.
1: that topic. Thank I think that was
2: a great answer. Yeah. I, I will say one thing I do like to start Uh, A lot of my conversations with nowadays, instead of asking, How are you? is, is I like to just pause for a moment and ask you both, How are y'all sleeping? Uh, I just got a grounding sheet
0: and I love it. Okay. It freaking works. (laughs) It does. It freaking works. It, my sleep has been dramatically different since I got it a week ago. And, um, I, so I can't say that's, you know, I believe in the placebo, but I actually believe in grounding. So, um, it, It's So far, it's been excellent.
1: Rich, how about you? Well, the CDC um, just published something on grounding. So uh, I can send that to you a little bit later. So we're going beyond like these ideas of electrons and and pseudoscience to actually seeing it really work. And that's why we're talking today. The other thing I think it's important to mention um, before I tell you how I'm sleeping, Nate, is I I do believe what I like about your angle is the folks we've had on are kind of unorthodox in terms of how they actually... um, come to the medical field. One of our guests said that 99% of the health journals that you read in medical school are worthless. 99% of what you're understanding isn't even helpful. 1% is. So I think um, to be fair, um, Nate is um, talking about things that are a little bit out there, but at the same time, I think what he's offering what Keyspan offers is a real practical kind of solution. You don't have to get kind of crazy in, in, in the mindset, but it's something that could be helpful. Right. right. And in terms of my sleep, I find that when I have a good workouts throughout the day and I go to bed around nine thirty or 10 and take a little magnesium, my sleeping is great. I'll actually look over at the water that I brought with me to the table side and not even see it. But when I'm having fun and I'm out there having some good drinks and stuff like that and I go to bed at, uh, let's say, um, you know, eleven thirty 30 or later, I find that my sleep isn't good, especially with the alcohol in the system. Yeah. Do you guys both have trackers that you wear
0: to track it? I don't. Uh, I have an iPhone. I don't wear my
2: watch at night. Do you wear your watch at night? I charge mine. Uh, uh, I wear mine at night. Uh, and, and I wear a woo, uh, which I'm do not you wearing. Charge right I charge it in the morning when I shower. How long does it take? 20 minutes. I didn't realize minutes. that. I always thought it yeah. took so like, every time I'm done shaving, showering, getting dressed, all that stuff. My watch is charged and I, I throw it back on and go. Yeah. So Nate, Why don't you
0: just dive in? We're going to come back to that topic, but why don't you dive in and give us a perspective because you have a company called Keyspan and you took on sort of the healthcare system. What, 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 give me, unpack that a little bit in terms of, uh, there, there's conventional hair healthcare, but we talk to people who are outside of that vein and you're one of them. What, what is Keyspan doing?
2: Yeah. I'm so glad you asked. Um. Healthcare is an interesting term for the system that we live in, I think. Um, And, you know, you alluded to medical school and what is useful and what is not. And first, before I begin any of these sayings, I need to preface, I am not a doctor. I do not have any medical background. So this has been uh, a very steep learning curve and a long journey for me to get to this point and luckily i'm surrounded by some amazing nutritionists and doctors and health coaches and functional medicine folks uh, who are in this space so a lot of what i'm saying is going to be parroted from you know what i have learned from from the experts and the specialists um so with that public safety announcement uh, out of the way let's get into the healthcare system <clears throat> i uh i had my first kid in my late thirties, I was you know, an older father. And when I turned 40, I just had one of those moments where I woke up and I said, God, I just, I feel old. I am way too young to be feeling old. Mm-hmm. And that began the journey of trying to figure out first off, why am I feeling this way? What is actually going on inside my body and what can I do about it? And so I went to my general practitioner. That's the first step that you'd naturally do in a process like this. And uh, quickly discovered that the entire healthcare system is designed to do one thing. It is designed to identify an illness or a ailment and provide a solution to that illness or that ailment. Which is great, right? If I have COVID, I'm going to go see my doctor. If I break my leg, I'm going to go see my doctor. If I have to have surgery, I'm I'm going to go see my doctor. If I have cancer, I'm going to go see my doctor. But what I've learned is that roughly only around 40 hours of eight years of medical school is spent on preventative Mm. education within the healthcare uh, and medical school community. And they are designed and trained to cure. And that is paired with the massive pharmaceutical industry, which is then feeding them a pipeline of cures for whatever it is that they're diagnosing. And when I came to my doctor and asked for a solution, the first solution, knee-jerk solution was great. Well, you have low testosterone. Let's get you on testosterone, right? There was never a discussion about what can I do naturally or what type of lifestyle choices am I making today that are hurting my testosterone? right mm-hmm. it's you know i i found out later that it's clearly choices that i'm making that are causing me to have low t it's not because of my age it's not because of my place in society it's my fault if you want to lay blame anywhere mm-hmm. and i quickly learned that by being on testosterone it was a terrible choice it was going to be something that i would be dependent on for the rest of my life my body would then you know not be producing its own testosterone at the same rate that it would be And I would still have never solved the underlying problem that caused that in the first place, which is the fast track to an eventual bucket of, you know, take your pick. I have a half a dozen different chronic illnesses. Mm. (coughs) Excuse me. So that took me down the path. I went to look at places like the Cooper Clinic that are, you know, $10,000 a visit. I don't have $10,000 to spend on a doctor's visit. Uh, but I reverse engineered all their tests and I went back to my doctor and said, Hey, I want all these tests. I want a much larger blood panel. I want bone density scans. I want lung capacity t- scans. I want, um, uh, you know, to look at my arteries and see how things are looking, DEXA scans, all the stuff. And, uh, she was able to do it. it. cost me about $700 or so insurance was able to cover most of it. She got very creative with creating the reasons why I needed these tests, but that again, Highlights what's wrong with the system. It was very hard to get my insurance company to pay for preventative mm-hmm. testing and screening, which today blows my mind. Like that just. Is- really,
1: it, it makes sense, right? I mean, look at all the losses and claims are getting out because of theft, but now we go down the path of losses due to people dying and getting unhealthy. It's just going to be exponential from where it is today. So they are, it's the absolutely vested interest of them to have preventative processes in place
2: and encouraging it. So- Verify my stats when I say them, Um, you know, what do they say? 87.6% of all statistics are made up, but uh, (laughs) it's, it's some absurd number in the range of like 70 to 80% of all of our healthcare costs are spent in the last couple of years of life, extending life of someone with a chronic illness. Mm -hmm. And this one, I I am, I am certain of seven out of 10 Americans, 70% of them are dying from preventable chronic illnesses. Which just blows my mind. Anyways, so I digress. Back to the journey me, of where we're
0: going. Let me let me interject here real quick. Nate is is it fair to say? Because this is my perspective, is that modern Western medicine, yeah, isn't really interested in a cure, even though that's what they say they are. They're interested in the maintenance of the cure because if they lose the if they cure the customer, they don't have a customer anymore. So it's easier to put you on something that's maintenance. To the problem rather than actually curing the problem because most drugs don't really cure the
2: problem, they mask they the symptoms. Yeah, they they, they treat the symptoms, that's very true. Um, whether that is by design and it's some sort of conspiracy out there, I don't know. Uh, but I it, think it's just does, dis- it does seem to be the uh, status quo, right? Uh, yeah. you get put on a medication, uh, and you're going to be on that medication for a while. And I I do kind of question the motives of the governments and the regulatory agencies when you're looking at things like psychedelics for mental health treatment, 100%. because um, if it's a one and done, and you have rewired your brain and you've solved your depression issue, well, where's is the profit in that for the drug company or the doctor?
0: Mm-hmm. Exactly.
2: Um, and I just, I question the motives behind that. I don't have any,
1: well, yeah, you know, I mean, let's talk about um, depression, right? I mean, there's a lot of um, evidence out there that says that, um, well, first of all, if you're on meds, oftentimes they have to change. They, that's another a sliding scale, right? It's not like one and done, but there's a lot of great studies that show if you meditate, if you have a community, if you exercise and eat well spend some time in the sun and, and, and surrounding yourself with, with, with positive, you know, kinds of environments, that's 80% of the battle. And I'm not a doctor either. Um, but I do believe we have way too many people on antidepressants in this country. And and the fact that you can die coming off of those things without a long ongoing process, hell, if you look at the movie, the fall of the house of usher, it's a Netflix series talks about, maybe it's a pseudo, you know, Purdue pharmaceuticals, but you can just see um, that it's not a healthy environment. So I guess what I'd love to figure out, Nate, is when you you, you see the pain, you, you realize that something's broken. Where do you start going down the path of things that a are really reasonable and can really work versus this idea of there's a lot of pseudoscience out there, like somebody says eat you know more cilantro or somebody goes you know do ice baths. Now maybe there's some benefits to these things, but where do you um, hone in and where does Keyspan hone in on the things that you know um, can be a good positive factor and ones that you kind of cast aside as, hey, le- listen, that, that those might be anecdotal and might work for a few others, but let's just focus on reality here. Where do you kind of draw the line in, on those kinds of um, controversial things versus something more reasonable? Great question.
2: <clears throat> so at Keyspan, the way we began to think about the development of this was uh, starting with the foundation of the first off, what, what sort of makes up the full health of a person I can test my blood biomarkers, but does that tell me everything that I need to know about the person I can test my gut biome. Does that tell me everything about that person? I can go to a psychiatrist and talk about my mental health. Does that tell me everything about that person? And I realized that it doesn't, you really kind of have to look at all three of these things. You know with the vagus nerve that is connecting the brain to the gut the gut being considered now sort of the second brain that's out there uh and then how that ties into the blood biomarkers if i just look at your blood biomarkers without having a conversation with you and understanding your mental state and understanding who you are and what a day in the life of rich or the day in the life of jonathan looks like i am looking at it in a very limited narrow um facet right what if you're going through an incredibly stressful divorce and i see that you have really high inflammation in your homocysteine or your cortisol is through the roof um what if you are a chronic um uh, you, you have a chronic sleep issues and you just aren't able to get sleep you know or you have a newborn child and you're not getting sleep for several months you know that's going to show up in the blood but if i don't understand your life situation how am i ever going to properly diagnose that And properly give you tips and ideas on how to make some lifestyle lifestyle changes to address those underlying problems. And so that was sort of the foundation, that triple point, brain, mental health, uh, gut, and blood. And so when thinking of that, I worked with our medical team and our nutritionist. I was like, okay, if your glucose says this, what are ways that we can influence it using diet, exercise, lifestyle, and supplements? Because we truly believe that food is medicine primarily, Mm -hmm. but we know that sometimes people, for whatever reason, aren't going to get all their nutrients from their food. So we supplement in the meantime. Uh, What can they do from an exercise standpoint, right? Uh, What can they do from lifestyle decisions, right? Are they drinking every night before they go to bed? You know, what are they doing that is causing all of these things? And that's where the power of the health coach comes in to really understand the person. So while we're using the biomarkers to test and give us a, a scientific point in which to work from, we have to have the context mm-hmm. around that. And that context is then given through the relationship that is uh, built through the health coach. And the health coach is there to not just explain what we're doing, explain the biomarkers, explain the the, the remedies, but is to help that person make meaningful lifelong changes to their lifestyle because it's all good if i give you data 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 is not the value it is the implementation of the changes that come from what that data tells you
0: that so be the most important are you saying that um your so what keyspan does so i understand keyspan draws your blood That runs tests
2: and that creates the basis of the data. What's in the tests that you're doing? Yeah. So we do 24 biomarkers for men, 26 for women. And we're looking at everything from, you know, your lipid panels. What do you mean by biomarker? Biomarkers are blood biomarkers. I'll name a few of them off. I'm not going to name the entire list here, but, you know, your lipid panels, your ASD, your ALT, HbA1c, ApoB, uh, homocysteine, CRP, uh, iron, B12, all those things. Uh, And for women, we have two extra ones in there because women are very unique biological animals in themselves, separate from men, uh, where we're looking at their thyroid and their estradiol uh, because the hormonal um, ecosystem of the woman's body is so vitally important to their overall health that we can't really apply the same thinking that we do to men as we do to women.
1: So... That's so. What we start with, and this is, I think, this is a perfect example of: is what does it say? What does it mean? And then how do you apply it? So how how does that cycle work uh, with uh, with KeySpan? <laughs> I think you got some cedar analogies. Is that what came up in the app? Yeah. I'm sorry,
2: man. Cedar has started here in Texas, and it's brutal.
1: Um, oh, sorry
2: about that. <clears throat> All right, repeat that question.
1: Yeah. So I, I, I mean, we actually, when, when I, I remember when I actually uh, used to uh, study scripture, it'd be like, Hey, what does the Bible verse say? What does it mean? And how do you apply it? Right? So you've got observation, interpretation, application. So you've got the biomarker, you've got the coach that helps with the context. What is the next um, process that helps people actually start to see um, real meaningful change? And and how do you get to that?
2: So it's by setting small goals, Uh, habit stacking one of these ways we'll talk to you. We have a list of 40 things that we want you to change in your life. No one's going to wake up tomorrow morning and do 40 (laughs) things differently. We recognize that. We recognize that that's a very overwhelming thing. And so we try to break that down into small bite-sized pieces. And it's individual. And again, that goes back to the health coach, which is so important to the change of this. I can go tell you to go do 40 things tomorrow, Rich. How many are you going to do? How are you going to know which ones are going to be easiest for you? (coughs) So they'll talk to you and depending on your particular lifestyle or you, Jonathan, um, are you guys morning people or are you evening people? I'm an evening person. Okay. Rich? I'm more productive in the morning. Great. All right. So y'all are going to have two different, very different approaches to things. Rich, your recommendation might be, hey, Rich, what if we got up 30 minutes earlier and went to bed 30 minutes earlier and use that 30 minutes to do mindful meditation or a quick workout? or um, stretching, you know, whatever it is that we might be wanting to work on. And we'll just pick one or two or three small changes. We'll be like, hey, why don't you uh, start drinking a, a dandelion tea in the morning instead of your coffee? And let's why start working on- to cleanse your liver. Your liver is a big uh, regulator of a lot of your hormone production and, and, and circulation within the body. And for me, for example, you know, my testosterone, one of the clear things was reduce my alcohol, cleanse my liver, uh, get better sleep, and then start doing strength training, right? These are four small things that I could start to do. And I was able to boost my testosterone 120 points in four months, naturally.
1: Wow. Is that free
2: testosterone? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, massive change in my life. I can't tell you how good I felt. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't changes that were... Now I wasn't being asked to go on the, uh, uh, you know, an NFL football training program here, right? Uh, these were very easy changes that I could adapt to my life. And so that's where the health coach really helps come in. Identify where are the opportunities that we can do a few small changes. Let's track those for two to three weeks and let's talk again. How are you feeling? What worked? What didn't work? Why didn't it work? Oh, you weren't motivated to do it. What do you think you would be motivated to do? How could we change that? And really begin to work with you to make those changes. And then it becomes a snowball. Uh, And it goes back to that religion environment, right? When you start doing the right things in the church with that community, the community embraces you more. You feel, quote unquote, closer to God, whatever it might be. In the physical body, you're feeling physically better. Your mental clarity is there. Uh, your engagements with other people tend to improve because your mood is better. And then all these things start to get one step closer to where it then becomes the habit to stay on this healthy track. And it actually feels bad to go back to those bad habits. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause you start experiencing
0: what it feels like not to have them.
2: Yeah. That's right. right.
0: Yeah, I habit love really important because yeah. it gives you a new experience that your body then can reference. Yeah. totally so get that.
1: That's and the original. beauty thing about it is, I mean, it reminds me of our own my own job, which is um, selling coaching to large organizations. And you have a set of assessments that you'll take to determine where that person is in terms of their um, leadership and or individual person skills and behaviors, where are they strong and where do they have areas for development? And that coach spends every other week, digging in and not actually necessarily telling them what to do, but actually encouraging them to to think independently so they actually own it, right? And so the beautiful thing about having a coach is it's that kind of accountability that helps you get inspired to do things that you might not have done on your own. And so um, I, I'm encouraged by that concept. And and the the, the light bulbs start, that start to go on, that start to go off, right? People are like, oh my God, I, I can't believe how much how, how amazing I feel now, or how how much I'm getting out of this, and how much better I'm interacting with colleagues, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So, going, going, back, go ahead, Jonathan. No, 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 go ahead. Finish your thought. Finish I your was thought. going to go back to the whole religion thing you, you just brought up um, because I think it's time to open up the the, the can of worms. The, um, go we'll down the hole. Before we
2: do that, let me let me just make one quick analogy about health coaching. You said. Sure. Right? There is not one top performer out there in this world, whether it be an athlete or a CEO who doesn't have a coach. Why don't you? I do have a coach. Probably cost
0: for most people. You know, it's not, it it feels like, and I do, I have a coach. It's not, um, I think the cost benefit is it's absolutely worth it. But you have to experience to realize its worth. So most people never get that experience to take them yeah. over
2: the bridge. And that's where we think that the power of AI can come in and really uh, make this a, a, you know, really democratize access to this.
1: Well, let's dive into the AI right now. later on.
2: Yeah, Rich. Yeah,
0: let's save that for the second half. I'm definitely going to come back to it, but I want to finish this uh, kind of finish this vein. Uh, Nate, when did did this idea – because the idea of – I think that's what's missing is a doctor is not a coach. I've always thought about this because I worked for a medical billing company. So I dove into the medical world. It's a monster. It is about business 100%.
2: Yeah.
0: 100%. Modern medicine is about making money. And the problem is that puts doctors who want – who believe in the Hippocratic Oath – but they still have a business to run. And all Western modern medicine is based on the sick model. How do we keep people in a sustainable sick mode so they always come back? That's how business works in the medical world. And your model is like, no, we don't need that long-term approach. The goal is to be get people to become self-sufficient. Where
2: did that start? Well, Where it started it start when I finished year? getting all my – and when I get all my tests that we finally did, I went back to my doctor and I was like, okay, I've got it all. Now what's my 360? What do I need to do? And the recommendations were very uh, generic and left me very unsatisfied. So that then took me out. I took all my data and I went and hired a nutritionist. I went and hired a health coach. I went and hired a personal trainer. I went and talked to a psychiatrist and put all four of those things together. And based on that work and several thousand dollars later, I had a plan, a roadmap for myself. And when I told all my friends about this, they're like, oh, that sounds amazing. I want to do that. And then I showed them how much work it took. They're like, yeah, no, I'm good. Cool. Appreciate it. Uh, And that's where the spark began. I was like, "Ah, I think there is definitely a place in the market for this. People want this. And um, we just need to make it more accessible and we need to make it really, really easy for them to adopt it. But more importantly, we need to make it in such a way that empowers those people to make the changes that they need to make in their life.
1: So would you, so, um, are, you, are, you are you familiar with Dr. Brecca and are you familiar with Dana White? Have you heard yeah, that I
2: listening to uh, Joe Rogan's uh, Brecca podcast last night, actually.
1: Right. So I think um, maybe I can make an analogy here. Would it be safe to say that what Dr. Breckett did for Dana White, which is incredible work, right? Fasting. And uh, definitely I think he put him on some testosterone, but he was on a ketogenic diet. Are you saying your, your, your trajectory is let's do something very similar, but for a fraction of the cost, because God knows Dana White's got a lot more money than we do. Right. Yeah.
2: Yeah. 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 We, We want to do this for a fraction of the cost. You know, right now we're starting at $150 a month, but you know, we want to be able to get that down even further uh, to be able to capture a larger swath of the audience and work with employers to have them sponsor it for their employees. Oh yeah. yeah.
0: I could see so, how this could definitely work for health related issues for employees. Cause it's an investment in their improvement. Yeah. Um, Nate, I want to ask you this question. Cause I think this is what I've been thinking about in preparation for meeting with you is Modern Western medicine doesn't take an intentional approach. It's take this pill and you're good to go. It's not there's not uh, the, the mental aspect. and I think that's what's powerful about this is the mental aspect is really the true barrier to health because all sickness is stress related. And when you create these stressors in your life, your body says, okay, your body's gonna get fucked up because you keep holding on to all this shit. That's going to cause disease. So it's dis ease. What role does coaching play in changing that? Because I think it's an intention. If I think I'm, uh, if I add that voice in my life that helps me develop that intention of health, I'm only going to be dealing with the stress at its core. Like, what role does the coach work on in helping people? kind of create that inertia and energy to say, I'm actually worth taking care of. Cause I think that's probably part of the journey, isn't it?
2: Well, it's hundred percent part of the journey. Yeah. And I'm really glad you brought up the mental, the mental health and the mental state side of things. And, and quite honestly, I think we're just scratching the surface in terms of how much our mental state impacts our immune mm-hmm. systems. Um, and yes, you are 100% right that our, just a lot of our diseases are caused by that. Um, I would go one step further and say, you know, most of our diseases are caused by inflammation of some type or form. Yeah. Right.
0: Stress creates the inflammation.
2: Absolutely. is a trigger for that. And, um, and, and you see it as well in just in a very unscientific way. If you just look at your group of friends, you know, you've got the Tiggers and you've got the Eeyores, right? Who gets sick more? Eeyore. is always sick. Oh, they do. Oh, yeah, yeah, yes, yes. Yeah. No, Tigger's never sick. And even if Tigger is sick, Tigger's pissed off that he's sick and is still out <laughs> trying to get stuff done. He's it's like, I'm so annoyed that I'm sick. I got to get over this. Okay. Right? Um, so uh, just validating what you were saying in that sense, Jonathan, I think there is a lot to be said about the mental game. And that's where we think the health coaching is that, that critical link you can go get your data about what's going on in your body in a thousand different places. But what do you do with that data? And how do you incorporate the changes you need to make in your life in order to make the changes in the data? And the health coach is really your partner to do that. You know, they are trained to be empathetic yet encouraging you know they're not judgmental. Uh and, and that's one of the big barriers for a lot of people. They're like, they feel guilty or they're embarrassed because they didn't follow instructions. Yeah. And so, like, oh, I'm gonna avoid my next meeting. I, I have people that I know who are like, I'm not gonna go see my doctor because I don't want to find out what's going on, they're just truly afraid. I'm just like that just blows my mind. I know that no bad news. Yes. (laughs) How, how can you live like that? Like that, just to my standpoint, I, I don't understand that completely at all. Mm -hmm. Um, I understand that there would be fear. Sure. And I can empathize with the fear, but then using that fear as an excuse to really not ever know. uh, I just, I really hope that, Anyone listening to this that is scared, I just encourage you to please go find out just for your own, you know, your own
0: sanity. Yeah, I'm going to ask you one of your questions. Your primer was amazing in terms of giving us uh, lead-ins. What role does spirituality play in this whole part? Because how do you view that intersection of spirituality and physical health? Because I think it's huge. I think it's everything. But how do you see it? it?
2: Well, I think there have been a lot of studies that have shown uh, that – religious and spiritual people are generally healthier and live longer. Uh, and it goes back to a lot of the key things that has been broken down, you know, everywhere from the blue zone books to um to eastern eastern medicine and traditional medicine is that you know, having spirituality provides several important mental things. One it provides purpose. Alas, yeah. Two, it provides community Mm -hmm. and support. Three, it provides uh, safety, right? Uh, And an overall reduction of anxiety. Uh, And I would say the last one would be the ability to deal with grief and pain and suffering that is inevitable in life, you know, with loss and with tragedy and whatever else might be out there, those people who are self-ascribed spiritual folks or uh, follow a particular religion, they tend to be able to manage and handle that better than those who don't, according to some of the studies I've seen. Um, And again, not an expert on this, but I think uh, that link is very real and it doesn't have to come in the form of a church, right? There are a lot of ways where you can get that spiritual fulfillment. Um, and you're you're seeing that more and more with the younger generations as they're moving away from the organized traditional religions in the Western world. They're moving towards health and wellness, honestly, as sort of their religion, right? That is the, the ethos, right? Because it offers dogma, it offers ritual, and it offers community. A lot of the same things that uh power the church and the philosophies behind the church.
1: No, um, um we had a guest yeah. we had a guest yeah. on who went from Mormonism to atheism. And she's in the process today of um helping people what we call in the postmodern Christian world deconstruction, right? So you have these beliefs, this set of narratives, meta-narratives if you would And they come crashing down because of new things that are introduced. And so for a lot of the church and something you can maybe dive into this now, but if you think about the evangelical church, which we've been a part of for a long time, the idea of evolution, right? If if, if evolution is real, does that mean Adam and Eve are not real? What do you do with, um, you know, sin, hell? Uh, We've had conversations about hell on this. So for some people coming out of these things is actually really, it's, it's, devastating it's like um you know if if you if you if you have this belief in a place that you can go that's going to give you all happiness because you know you said the right things and did the right things and that's now the undergirding story behind that is going away it's 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 traumatic i mean people you know go through it's like a a big loss right and so um how would you address um helping people that go through that because some people you know, we're raised in secular homes, right? And we this same gal actually calls herself sp- spiritually secular, right? She calls it. Can you call that? Lad? I said absolutely. If I'm investing in breath work, and mindfulness meditation, and I'm tapping into that universal that uni- unified field, and I'm tapping into my heart, you know that, that if it's all part of consciousness, we're we're all, all on board there. But. How would you be able to help a a person make that transition if that was part of what what their journey looks like, right? Um, As they're deconstructing, would this particular process help them, um, Nate, in in, in a way? I'd never really thought of that. That's that's an interesting angle.
2: And I would say, you know, we didn't go into this business to uh, address specifically that scenario. Um, But... I can't see why it wouldn't be of some assistance um, understanding what's happening inside your body and understanding how you can live a better life replaces some of the dogma that was provided by the church, right? Thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not sin. Thou, you know, you have other religions that are like, you know, do not eat pork or other things. And those were done because back in the day, right? Pork, often had uh, a lot of bacteria and and diseases that were associated with it. And this was helping them stay safe and stay clean and and live a fulfilling life and giving them purpose. Um, So I'd say not directly, but I think indirectly, sure. Without a doubt, being able to have a companion there who understands you, understands your health and understands the difficulties and challenges you face in implementing these changes. But giving you that support system, just like the community of the church is, where they might be like, "Hey, maybe you should stop drinking. Let's let's help you do that as a community." Uh, you know, health and wellness and KeySpan in particular in our community is called the Key Club. Uh, you have the opportunity to tap into a network of folks who are going to give you a similar support structure um, that you might find in an organized religion. Yeah, it's
0: like
1: so- a subreddit, but but better.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Before we jump to uh, your idea, because I want to go there, um, what's the
2: big picture vision for Keyspan? The big picture vision is to make chronic illnesses, uh, preventable chronic illnesses, a thing of the past. You know, it, it's really sad that we're spending so much of our money on illness and disease that is completely preventable just through diet and exercise. It's not a magic pill, it's not some wackadoodle science that's out there. It's eating whole foods not too much of it and getting out and moving and being social and surrounded by people you love you know uh,
0: you're saying something really profound there that a lot of people need to realize is if you just switch your diet to non-processed non-sugar based foods you're going to solve sure. 90% of your physical problems like you're going to solve a lot of you know. about- The carnival, like rich and I are going to do the carnivore diet in January and we're going to do a podcast episode. And so it's, but it's, and then you have the, we had a fruitarian, a fruitarian on in Dr. Morris in, uh, September and he's all the way on the other side, no meats. So it's, but here's the reality of what Dr. Humerman always says is what's the one thing they all have in common is they all reduced and removed processed foods and sugars. Yeah. And you're adding a component of adding the coaching, which is the mental health part, because here's the reality is it does come down to, I need mental health help to emotionally deal with the process of changing my diet and my lifestyle. The habit stacking takes time and you need someone to push you
2: into that process. Yeah, you really do. Our society has been built on an industrialized food system. Um, that has on one end done an amazing job of being able to feed billions of people uh but on the other end has created a massive amount of sugar-laden and salt-laden uh processed foods that have you know very long shelf life which allows the transportation from farm to grocery shelves but uh yeah it's it's hard to navigate in this world that carrot stick in that salad over Doritos.
1: Well, Doritos so taste awesome. good, man. They do. They do. Yeah. They do. They do. They do. Oh. but the idea also is small iterative steps, right? So the idea of coaching is you're going to make these small little steps at a time. And the reasons why we've, we've seen the data on this, the reason why these diets of just immediately doing something so dramatic, they fail because it just seems so insurmountable. So if you work on the small steps, and I think of course, Jonathan not, not just good food, but supplements in, in the foods that don't have all the things that, that are there to kind of kickstart things, having the community and the app and then that coach all kind of combined. And going back to Dr. Morse, um, um, Jonathan, this is going to be an interesting conversation we're going to have at the end of January after we're done with the carnivore dad. Dr. Morse believes that when you eat healthy fruits, mostly berries and melons and a couple of things of, like vegetables, your body is more spiritual. When you're eating meats, and everybody knows, when you nail back a 22 ounce, you know, even if it's grass fed, you know, prime ribeye, that's gonna set you back. You're you're not gonna be so um, lively. You're not gonna be like Tigger, you know, after wolfing that meal down. And so it's gonna be interesting, Jonathan, to see if if we feel like, you know, when we try to be more meditative or in that in that field. Is it going to affect us in that way? Because Dr. Morse is probably going to be, if, if he's going to want to tune in because it's the antithesis of what his diet is, right? So,
0: Well, I think the thing that I appreciate about it, Dr. Morse, is he has a good science behind it. And his idea is that the lymphatic system is, is imbued by the uh, fruits. And of course. I bought the idea. I think it's a powerful idea. But here's what I'm wrestling with is you have two polar opposites of carnivore and fruitarian I, that that's where I begin to believe your body responds more to your intention than it does to the food. And so when I eat carnivore with the intention of restoring my body and I'm fasting, I'm not eating like I changed my diet last year in January from probably 3,500 calories a day. I was eating four times a day, massive meals down to one and a half. And I was doing my lunch was, a, of a, was my shake. And my body responded completely different. I lost 30 pounds uh, because I wasn't overloading it. And I think it's what we put in is important, but the intention we have about it, because I was very intentional about I'm trying to create health in my body. And that's where I really wonder is is you have these two polar opposites. What role does intention? And I think intention actually plays more Mm -hmm. part than the actual food we eat.
1: I think so. you're right. The alignment of heart and mind, Jonathan, right. and, and, so and when all you that. tell
0: your body, this is good for me. And I'm healing. I'm loving myself. Um, you're speaking directly to your body at a mental health state level. Now you're organizing this as much as you are this. And you're saying, okay, I'm going to take care of myself. That's a powerful statement to the body. So, yeah. And I think well, that's the value of why I see in Keyspan of the coaching aspect. It's and you're starting with really important panels to say, "Listen, start with your blood work. Where are you at?" So you have a clear measurement factor, but then you have it coupled with coaching that helps you improve these dramatically, and you probably start even ticking off diseases as you start. I can see the path where people can approach this process. And very clearly, if they stick with it, see the value, which is it, it's that upward spiral effect. You're seeing it and then believing, and you're seeing it more and then you're believing it more, and then the coach just is lightly pushing you forward.
1: Absolutely. All right, and here we go. Well. It's time for the big one. We uh, I, we did talk about having controversial guests, people doing outside of the status quo, but we also tuned into the fact that spend is actually a pretty conventional process, very pragmatic, and the kinds of things that are happening are kind of in the mainstream, and you can kind of count on them instead of something blowing up. But at the beginning of the podcast, um, Nate, you were talking about a bold idea that may or may not have relevance and significance. Why don't you open that question up to our audience and to us, and let's dive in. Yeah, so this is just a thought
2: experiment I've been
1: thinking about for the last few weeks, and so um,
2: this has not been fully thought out. So we're going to just spill it all, all the beans out here on the table here, and yeah. We'll chase all the squirrels and see where they take us. But the idea is, is that uh, with the decline of organized religions and the younger generations uh, and even the older generations just shifting away from organized churches um, and religions, not necessarily becoming atheists so much as maybe just agnostic, uh, what is filling that hole? And there is a is there a potential case to say that health and wellness and the optimization of your own personal physical and mental being is a replacement for that um and i throw that out there to ask you guys to bring up some comparisons like talk to me about some of the dogma and the rituals in the church and let's see if we can find those analogies on the health and wellness side
1: Well, obviously, in in a traditional Christian framework, you're raised up into the church, you do what's called an altar call, where it says, yeah, I'm giving my life to the Lord. Mm -hmm. And you go through a set of learnings, where you start off with probably general older Bible stories, and then you got to learn and grow more and more. And as you get to that age of accountability, that's when the bad news starts kicking in. That is, That a lot of the people in this planet, in fact, the majority of them, uh, unfortunately, because they haven't um, heard a particular viewpoint of Jesus or of Muhammad or somebody, um, end up um, at the end of their lives um, gnashing their teeth and burning in hell for eternity. Right. Um, We fleshed that out on this uh, on this particular program because we actually lean towards a more of a reconciliation God who actually does allow people to go through a lot of pain and suffering through an eon or more but then ultimately God's love will redeem them. And that's called universalism, Nate. So we flesh that out a lot, but in terms of like the dogma, so let's just talk about maybe something like original sin, which is a very common Christian theme. When Adam partook of the fruit with Eve, they, they supposedly had the knowledge now of, of what's good and what's not, and God cast them out of there. And that's called original sin. And so that sin has been passed down to all of us. So as we wake up out of the womb, fresh and ready to go, you were conceived in sin, as Augustine said, and you were born into sin, right? So, what do you think um, could be an, analo- an, an anal- analogy or an allegory Analog- alo- to break out of the original sin dogma?
2: Sure, let's talk about um, let's talk about generational. Um, epigenetic stresses that are passed down from generation to generation, Mm -hmm. right? Uh, You have prior generations who experienced serious trauma, whatever it might be. uh, And that led to serious health outcomes. They have children. Those same children are going to suffer from the same ailments and the same outcomes. And how do you break that cycle? Well, you break that cycle by changing your mindset and changing your Lifestyle and your choices and what you do. Um, and it's sort of the same sort of process that a religion would do. We're going to save you from your sin. The body is going to heal itself from its past uh, historical. Um, it's in the
1: Yeah. You've got the in the, in the DNA, you're trying to pull that out yeah. of the sequence from a future generation. I think it's a brilliant answer. Yeah. Well, I
0: want to, I want to validate what you said in the beginning is there's, so the nuns are the fastest growing group over the last two decades. So the nuns have gone from, uh, like my kids don't go to church at all. Uh, Rich and I don't go to church anymore at all. So the nuns has grown dramatically, you know, a large, you can create, a thousand reasons, but the reality is that it, it reached its efficacy of what we grew up in. It's the idea of the church became a place to create community. Yes. That always happened. Like I grew up in a world that was the, one of the first megachurches in California and we were 7,500 people in 1975. So we did this explosion thing and there's a tremendous amount of love, but there's also the culture of this is how you step into the bubble of safety of community but it also included a narrative of you had to be good okay now that you are good but you had to do good and be good in order to be part of that community and I think that's what a lot of people pushed back on when the homosexual community started you know getting larger in the 70s and 80s they had to really wrestle with that and they lost the church lost the war against the LGBT community because it didn't respond with love And I think our children are now saying, well, if it can't affect the least of these, the the outcasts, then what's the point? And I think what's happening is now is they're all shifting over. I saw a meme that I shared with Rich yesterday. Like 20% are all shifting onto social media as coaches. They're doing the same thing. They're now saying instead of the church, let's just do it through social media. And let's develop all these, like I am, my algorithm is filled with these people and they have a very serious intent of trying to create health, but it doesn't include God. So I agree with your premise that the world is shifting in a very dramatic way. They want something that fills that void because if you remove the church, the void doesn't go away. The problem doesn't go away. You've still got to address it. So I agree with your basic premise. Yeah.
1: What are your what would be your suggestions then? I mean, obviously, I've got in my mind's eye um, what that substitute is, you know, and for me, you know, I do transcendental meditation, right? That's, you know, in in, in past evangelical lives, that, that was considered a no, no, right? Because you've got this mantra from the Maharashi, right? And that's the group that the Beatles, you know, hung out with, right? But I find it's been very helpful. In fact, I've had one of my most successful years in my career this year. It's been a really great year in a very challenging economic environment. Nate, as, as we know, right? Yeah. We've got lots of friends, good friends who are just absolute studs and just wonderful people, and they're they're having a hard time either hitting their number or even you know, um, you know, just finding a job, right? So I guess what I'm asking is, um, we we know that people who and and by the way um this guest of ours that um, went from mormonism to nihilism and is, is a more healthy atheistic framework she says a lot of people are going to the occult now so if you look where they're um where this gen y gen z are going they're going yeah. to um either like causes right and you can see a lot of people out there in the streets they need to have that purpose right like where do i send my energy and and how do i help out marginalized people so there's causes right but then a lot of people are going to the occult i guess there's TikTok, where they can read your tarot cards online and she said that was a huge thing so where would you steer people um as you see this kind of movement away and where would what would you is keyspan going to create a, son, a sense of um content or community that can help fill that gap and and what what do you, what do you suggest is is a good substitute
2: um I don't think I'm qualified to answer what a substitute is for God, and your belief in that. <laughs> yeah.
1: Fair. Um, I,
2: I don't think I want to touch that one. <laughs> yeah. yeah um, I think that's a very personal thing for each individual. Um, th- there is no one answer for anyone. I, my only answer would be, you know, that look inside yourself um, and and look for your answer that that means something to you, and that's for you. Um, I don't have any intentions or plans for keyspan to replace um pre-place the the role of of a god or that in their lives um i think my reference to health and wellness as it relates to religion is in the the actual practice of that religion and mm. the creation of those communities have a lot of similarities to them um so, I, yeah, I, I don't think I can answer that that deep question. That's um, that 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 would be for a theologian, I believe.
0: Well, I but think I it's interesting really- with
2: this. I think uh, Aristotle did say something that was very thought provoking, and that was if there were no God, it would be necessary to invent him.
1: Well, he believed uh, in a God. He believed in an uncaused cause, right? So he believed in a prime mover, if you would, right? So, yeah. So I don't know if that's uh,
2: the human condition that creates it or if that is what created the human condition. uh, What, you know, what came first? Nate, what made you think of the question?
0: Uh, Which one? Which question? The one you were asking about the shift. What made you think religion? Of that? Yeah, as
1: organized religion yeah. is getting, I mean, the the mainline denominations are drying up. You mentioned that, right? I mean, and people, this young group of folks are moving away from the church in in massive droves. Even LDS, right? Because they're seeing very similar things, and that's a very strong. Um, and that, you've got excommunication, you know, in the LDS community when you leave, so that's such a big traumatic thing. So I guess Jonathan was trying to figure out, um, you know, where, um, you know, where does that come said where where you from? from this. Yeah. Where did it come from?
2: Uh, it came from some articles I started reading recently that were uh, talking about just that, about how health and fitness was and wellness was replacing or filling that void uh, for that generation and for the the groups that are um, finding their spirituality outside of the church. Yeah, and I just I started going down that rabbit hole and thinking more and more about it and thinking about the analogies of it, why it works, why that is a place that they're going, um, and what what could be the benefits to them and to society for that if that is a trend.
0: Yeah. So we got time for a couple more questions, Rich. I'll ask one, and you can ask one as well. Uh, but I'll start because this one really captured my attention. Is if you had the power to make one change in the global healthcare industry, what would it be?
2: It would be centered on one word, prevention. Mm. Why, would that be, why, why is that your choice? Because of the well, the macroeconomic side of it, the trillions of dollars that we would save by preventing illnesses rather than treating them, number one. Uh, the human condition itself, uh, avoiding a chronic illness will just lead you to have a more fulfilling and happier life than having to deal with a chronic illness. Uh, I don't know if either of you have ever had a family member or loved one that has, um, suffered or is suffering from chronic illnesses. Like it's, it's not, it's not a great, it's not a great experience. Uh, it's not a great experience for the person going through it. It's not a great experience for the ones that, you know, their loved ones that are around them. Um. And ultimately it comes down to health span and lifespan. You're going to hear in the longevity space that a lot of people are obsessed with extending their lifespan, but that's really, to me, not the, that's not where we should be focusing. The focus should be health span. I don't want to live to 120 if I'm in a wheelchair. What do you mean by health span?
0: So our audience understands. Health
2: span is, is the length of time at which you are feeling generally Healthy, where you can do everything that you want. Your movement is there. Your mental capacity is there. Your physical uh, uh, capabilities are there. Um, you You can pick up your children or your grandchildren and you can walk up and down stairs. You can carry your own groceries to the car, right? Having a healthy span of life is much more important than living longer. Now, inevitably, barring some accident, if you have a long health span, it will extend your lifespan. Um, and I think that that really needs to be the focus prevention and health span over curing and lifespan.
0: So your argument is if you focus on the health span, you get the lifespan most likely.
2: Yeah. hundred percent. Well, you get the lifespan you want. Nobody wants to get
1: 10 years of chronic illness. Uh, it's not fun. All right, so I'm going to wrap up with um, something you brought up earlier, and it's, it's fascinating to us, and we've talked about it on, on the episode and several times, but it dealt with psychedelics, specifically with like, I mean, they're talking about MDMA and psilocybin. And one of the things that we've seen come out of Johns Hopkins, uh, and this goes back to the whole atheist um, thing and the old spirituality thing, is that people who were on stage four terminal cancer, obviously not very good health, not very good life were very fearful of death as any of us would be when they took these heroes doses, what they found was an amazing um, experience of being one with a cosmic force that was full of love. They, you know, and, and our guest on the show um, said don't Christians don't get excited. They didn't become theists, but what they did acknowledge was there is something greater than themselves that's out there. And they had a visceral experience, so asking you, what do you feel the role of psychedelics is going to play in the next um, three to five years um, in terms of legislation, in terms of health, in terms of overall well-being?
2: I think there's a lot of promise there. Again, I'm not a doctor, uh, so these are just my opinions, but I think there's a lot of, a lot of promise there. Um, the initial studies that are being done now on, on humans, the controlled studies that are happening, the results are truly miraculous. Um, And I do think that there is something there that could help society and help the collective consciousness of humanity uh, if we are able to better understand the impact of psychedelics on our mental health and in our health systems and in our society and the role it plays. Uh, So I I just hope that there is more money put into the research. I hope that there is more uh, education that is given to the general population and importantly to the politicians who are making the uh, the decisions on the regulations, yeah. um, and I just hope that there's a, a positive outcome that comes from this this initial interest in in its potential. I, I think there is something there. Yeah. Uh, so I'm, I'm excited about it. I, ho- I hope it. So we I hope it fruition. Nate, where do people find KeySpan? How do they find you? GetKeyspan.com. So www.getKeyspan, and that's the key to your health span, keyspan.com. Um, and you guys, um, I think we created a code for, for all your listeners. What is that code? Well, why don't you guys just use the code Nate 100 for, uh, going to getKeyspan.com use the code Nate 100. Yeah.
0: Nate, it was a pleasure having you on. I wish you the best because I think what you're doing is surprisingly simply, uh, simple and holistic. You're taking the base panels of, you know, you're bringing in the coaching and I actually love what you're doing. And I want to encourage our listeners to consider these kind of ideas if you're really needing, especially with chronic illness, because I love the idea. You want to be preventative and all of these things are preventative so well done in what you're doing thank you for uh for building this kind of organization we appreciate that
2: well thanks jonathan thanks rich we're excited you know it's a good purpose driven mission that uh every person that we can make healthier and live a better life It's a win all around absolutely
1: it's top of mind Uh, i've been thrilled to see you again looking forward to getting out to austin in the not too distant future but Thanks for this great um, overview of KeySpan. Uh, I'm thrilled about partaking uh, as soon as I get, um, I have to fast for a little bit, get some of these supplements out of my system, and then I'm going to get lined up with my coach. So I'm looking forward to the journey. So
2: yeah, can't wait to have you. It'll be yeah. awesome. Thank you awesome. guys. All right.
0: Uh, thanks for listening. This has been Living in the Matrix podcast. Uh, please review and comment. We'd love to hear from you. If you have a guest you want to uh, suggest, please do so at our website, livinginthematrix.ai. Thanks to Nate for joining us. Uh, any last words, Rich? Say
1: goodbye. Happy, happy Friday and happy holidays and healthy holidays for everybody. Absolutely. All right. Uh,
0: much love, everybody. Have a wonderful weekend.